Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think that you, um, I don't think that if you're a follower of Christ that you can't say you kicked ass. <laughs> I think I kicked ass this week and it was fun. And um, I just, um, you know, there's so many good golfers on the PGA Tour. And uh, I, I felt like coming into this week after Augusta, I had a, a really good, solid week in Augusta. Except I played more like um, I did on the weekend here, all four days there. And um, the only difference was that I just sprinkled in some really great golf on Thursday and Friday here, and I distanced myself out from everybody. I just, I really felt like I had the kind of stuff this week that was going to be very, very hard to beat if I just maintained my composure. And I knew that with Reagan caddying and with our belief and and our game plan and the way we're we're going about things, business like and um, you know very monotonous on the course, that it was just going to be really hard to beat Stewart Sink at this course this week. And, um, you know, it's, it's cool when something like that comes over you, when a feeling like that happens, and then the end result is you were right. Yeah, I know. Nice to kind of be back in the winner's circle. And I felt like I was going to cry, but I'm proud of myself for not crying. And now overall, I've had an um, unbelievably fun week here in Hawaii. And uh, no, I'm, I know I need to work on my hula hula dance um, a little bit, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's been awesome. So as uh, uh, I'm proud of uh, the way I stayed patient, you know, leading up to this moment, that I think it's it's all worth it. And then, congrats to Stuart and Lydia. Yes. What you're looking at there is drone footage of the beautiful Streamsong Resort. We are live from Streamsong. Our fan trip here in April, it had been moved from February because of COVID. It started yesterday at Disney, and last night we had dinner at downtown Disney. It was amazing, and we're here at this amazing place today. The drone footage that you're looking at was shot previously today, actually. There are storms in the forecast for most of the day so we're going to see what golf we can get in where and how and when but as you can see this is a special place some of the different quotes coming up from tom doak one of the architects uh, bill core and ben crenshaw one of the architects gil hans one of the architects now one of those three in the form four in the form of bill core will be joining us on the program in just a little while today so too will scott wilson the director of golf to give us a flavor of this special place look how special it is if you're watching us on the television side, it is unlike anything you will find, frankly, anywhere in the world. That's how unique this place is. All right, so let's take a look at a Travelers Leaderboard Report, TravelersChampionship.com, to look into all the information for the event coming up this June at TPC River Highlands. We go to the RBC Heritage, where Stuart Sink, you just heard from, finished on the mark of 19 under par after rounds of 63, 69, 60, no, 63, 63, beg your pardon, 69 and 70 to ease his way into the weekend. Never really had a lot of pressure on him because of how well he was playing. It looked very, very smooth. Second place shared by two, Harold Varner III and Emiliano Grillo, both on 15 under par. Maverick McNeely at 13 under par alongside of Corey Connors and Matt Fitzpatrick on that mark. What a great place to be. What a great time we're having being here. Absolutely amazing. 
to be spending this time here at the beautiful Streamsong Resort with all of our listeners. And thank you to everybody for for believing in us and, and, and joining us on these trips because they are absolutely Awesome. All right. You just saw me waving because Scott Wilson is on his way in. He's the director of golf here at Streamsong as promised. And Scott, come, come on in and, and join us and we'll, we'll jump right into this thing so people can know how special it is. I will tell him, though, as he's taking off his mask, it, sometimes people forget. How are you, my friend? Nice to see you. Um, I, I did tell them that the drone footage we opened with here, just flip that right around the other way, which was beautiful. In fact, uh, I'm going to I want to show it to you. You, you should be able to see it in this screen right here in one second. Andrew, go ahead and roll that stuff. It's gorgeous. So this is the footage that we're showing to the world of Streamsong. But I did explain to them, that's not the case right now. <laughs> we came in, and it looked like the world was going to end this morning in the darkness with the rain. How ominous is the forecast for the day? day gets going here um, oh, i like know, the way you're thinking it's the overnight rain you know get rid of it at night and so we don't delay golf i like the way you're thinking do you think we're gonna be able to play today oh of course you are you are the man we love having him on here we got in here this morning the guy at front desk like nah there's no chance you guys are done we're like oh all right they said they were gonna play a poker tournament or something was the way they're gonna we could do both not a bad idea how you doing how are things I'm doing great how are you do good it's it seems like things are going insane here no no, it's just fantastic. Good. It really is. Uh, things are so good. Uh, we've had a great season, and uh, we are um, seeing the everybody come in. A lot of drive-in traffic uh, from Orlando, Naples, uh, up north in uh, Tallahassee. We've got pretty much everyone coming to us in the state, it seems like. Oh, that's fantastic, man. That, that's exactly what we had hoped for, exactly what we wanted. I, I want to ask you about a couple of things because you're the first person that we've had to talk to about this since it's been open in full stream in the Mach 1 grass. How has it been received? You know, it's been very good. Uh, the ball rolls very well. Uh, you know, Rusty uh, has done a fantastic job with Rusty Mercer is the, the director of agronomy here. Yes, correct. And uh, the ball rolls so well. Um, he has uh, single-handedly, or I should say with the team, uh, transformed 36 holes, actually 37 greens uh, with the practice green, uh, into the Mach 1. And uh, the ball just is a superior roll uh, mm-hmm. compared to the past grasses, the mini-birdies, uh, the uh, tittles, you know, that kind of So the superior roll, the definition of that, I would take it to some extent is – the way that they, they not only speed, but rain. Exactly. The ball sits up. It's, it, I, I liken it to a crew cut. Uh, basically, the ball sits up because the grass is sitting up. It's not necessarily grainy, laying to one side or the other. So, uh, fantastic roll. Uh, it doesn't bounce or chatter. Uh, in the past, on the chipper uh, started talking Amazing. about this a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, full speed ahead. Yeah, I didn't actually know it was the Mach 1 back then. It was kind of secret that you guys, you put it on there, and it was like the test, and it was incredible. You had things that you could achieve. I, I still wonder, from the time that we did the TV show introducing it, I still wonder if it's going to open up the southern part of the United States to really big events at a time of year where it used to get so grainy and they didn't want to use the Bermuda grass. Now, I don't know how you can tell the difference. I really do uh, agree with you there. I just see that... Um when we get going, 
Uh, and uh, this summer, it's going to mature even more uh, mm-hmm. with the heat coming back, um, starting to pop. Um, the ball just keeps rolling. And uh, the <laughs> caddies, the amazing thing is that when the caddies came back in October, uh, when we all opened up to the, this new grass, they saw the ball breaking a foot, and then all of a sudden they're like, no, I think it's going to be six inches now. So because they're seeing that it's not as grainy and uh, it's um, That's really break. cool. Jeez, that's really cool. So when you said that there's massive popularity right now of people coming here, wanting to come here, and rightfully so, uh, how can people plan or book if they're interested, whether coming down here in the summertime or coming fall or coming in 22, which should be maddening because you've had trips that have been moved there and all the rest. It's going to be busy going forward for you. Yes, but right now, 22, uh, we've got plenty of openings. Uh, so Good news. Even, even in 21, we do. Uh, but uh, right at, at this date, we're uh, doing pretty well. You know, you got your group coming out, so we're yeah. looking forward to that and uh, seeing some Here of the too. old uh, old friends that we've uh, created over the years. So uh, thanks for coming. They were thank you that we they were having a ball yesterday, Scott. We we played uh, Lake Buena Vista because we wanted just a little Disney flair into the whole thing, and then we went to Raglan Road, downtown Disney, the Irish place for dinner last night. It was crazy. So. Dom and I were up at like 3.30 in the morning getting the equipment ready and, and Wes and coming down here. And I was saying to Dom, I said, what time do you think it ended last night for the guys? Because we left probably half past nine to try to get a couple hours of sleep anyway. And, and him less than me because he went back and edited all the, the sound that you guys are going to be hearing coming up from Lydia and Stuart Sink. And I don't think there was a lot of sleep going on last night. The, 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 the whole crew looked like they were really to, ready to hit it hard and go at it. That is the exact thing that we're hoping for today. And you already heard Scott Wilson promised us 100% that we're going to play 18 without any problem today. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think that's what he said. I just said Dom is staying out of this this discussion. So really looking forward to it. But I did want to ask you this so that people who are watching this around the world that may not be familiar with Streamsong, maybe other than what this beautiful, incredible drone footage we've been showing, three different golf courses here. The red course with Corin Crenshaw and Bill Core is going to be joining us in the program in just a little while, folks. The blue course with Tom Doak, who will be joining us over the next couple of days, and the black course by Gil Hans. And Gil's going to be joining us over the next couple of days while we're here. How would you describe the nuances or how each of those courses are distinctive? Well, it's, uh, you know, to the eye, just looking at it from a drone, uh, you see pretty much uh, the same type of topography. But then you get on the ground, and all of a sudden, blue has these big up and down rises, uh, first tee being the, the highest point on the property. And, um, you know, I boil it down to red is uh, definitely the more premium is on accuracy off the tee. The yep. first eight holes has about six holes worth of water. And then uh, blue, um, it's around the greens. Uh, there's a lot of recovery areas that you want to get it up and down you got to be creative and then you get to black and you've got ample fairways you've got um you're not going to lose too many balls you only have one real water hazard or penalty area on 18 uh with flowing water and then the greens are again those recovery areas gil wanted those recovery areas where you have to get the ball going on the low side in my game or i always talk to the people that are coming out from used to flopping it up there and the tight lies just don't allow that so you want to get the ball rolling on the ground uh whether it's a hybrid a seven iron a oh. 
and get it up there on top and then go for your par. I just got to chill. I cannot wait for it. So looking forward to everything that lies in store. It is a pleasure to see you again, my friend. Looking Thank forward you, to hanging out, maybe having a beer later on if we have time, if you're, if you're going to be around. Well, not when I'm working. Well, after that, we, maybe when we go to the gauntlet later on and do some putting, but it, it is awesome to be here and so excited about it. Thank you for everything as always. Yeah, glad to have you back and hopefully everyone has some uh, rain gear in there just in case, but uh, hopefully we'll be uh, out there playing 18 every day. It's an outdoor game. We're going to be fine no matter what, so thank you for all of it. Uh, Dennis Paulson and Earl Forsey hosted PGA Tour Radio's coverage of the RBC Heritage and provided us with this update. Well, Matt, thanks. Stuart Sink made it look awfully easy this past weekend, a winner by four shots at the RBC Heritage. Dennis Paulson, you're alongside, 47 years old. He's having a career season now, a second win, and I don't know what was more impressive, the back-to-back 63s to start or the way he kind of held off everyone very easily over the weekend. Well, I, I think you got to look at the 63s because that's a, a great score on any golf course, but on this golf course, it's a really good score. But you've got to put it in perspective. It's very hard to play with big leads. We've seen so many of them disappear. Now, guys are charging, and I think this golf course doesn't really warrant the super aggressive guy, so that helps Stewart a little bit. But he didn't let anybody in, and I think that's what's so impressive. With the big lead, he didn't play so conservative that he you know, gave the other guys that opportunity. I really believe the key were the par threes. How many times did he hit over the weekend, Earl? The best shot of the day, one of the last shots of the day on all these par threes, and they're a tough set of par threes. He played them as good as anybody did this week, and he's the best on the PGA Tour par threes. I wouldn't have thought it. I kind of brought it up out of nowhere. The par threes got it done. When do you ever say that about a golf tournament on the PGA Tour? Well, it's over the weekend. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, really, in Stuart Sink's case, Stay calm, cool, and collected the whole way. Did not, I mean, th- the play shows exactly what we saw. The eye test did not look stressed out at all over the weekend and ends up really kind of coasting to the win. So a-, a player without a victory for so long and then finally ending the victory drought and now having them one of the best seasons of his career, nearly 48 years old. He turns 48 next month. How do you explain this from Stuart Sink this year? I don't think Stuart can explain it. You know, I don't know. Um he was playing a little bit better, but then everything that went down with his wife, with Lisa getting the cancer and having to go through that and taking the time off. Um, and then he had the scare a little bit with some uh, cancer cells on his nose and, and, and you know, not nearly as, as scary, I'm sure, for him. Um, as a dude, we don't think we're going to die from skin cancer. It's just not what, what well, the way we think that we're going to go out. But still, it's something that he had to deal with. And... The fact that he got this resurgence with Regan on the bag and and he's basically helped him as a good golfer. Being a good golfer does not make you a good caddy. He has become an incredible caddy. And I think that's something that's really special. And Stewart did not mention that his son could caddy for anybody when he won in Napa. And he does say now that he's one of the best on the PGA Tour. He could caddy for anybody. That says a lot about the growth of them together, basically. He's been the mentor for him. And uh, he's done a lot of really good stuff for him. He's talked him off the ledge and, and really helped him when they've been in trouble, troublesome situations. He put himself in some bad spots over the weekend. And his son taught him or, you know, coaxed him to play the smart shot. And that's really impressive for a, for a father-son dynamic to be able to do that. 
Stewart Sink, Bryson DeChambeau, the only multiple winners on the PGA Tour this season. Pretty impressive stuff from the veteran over the weekend. And, Matt, we have Team Golf come up this week. We'll be back at it Thursday for the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. Not far down the road, you can get tickets for the Valspar Championship, April 29th through March or May 2nd. You're looking at drone footage here at Streamsong as we're live. That will be taking place at the Innisbrook Resort in Palm Harbor. It's a stellar field. Dustin Johnson, JT, Victor Hovland, two-time defending champion Paul Casey. And you can have unlimited fun visiting the St. Petersburg Clearwater area attractions and top-ranked beaches while in town for the most colorful PGA tournament in the world. For more information, visit ValsparChampionship.com. BenHoganGolf.com is where you can visit to see all of their beautiful products, and they are indeed unique in the world of golf, and they all carry the name of Ben Hogan, which I know will make you very proud to slip that into your bag. BenHoganGolf.com, we're proud to represent them as well. Okay, so I'm going to give you the traffic for what's coming up in the Fairways of Life show. We're going to take a break here, but when we come back, we're going to come right back into Stuart Sink and Lydia Ko after their very dramatic victories. And for Lydia, it was a pretty emotional one as well. For Stuart, it was pretty much a case of being chill for the 47-year-old. Then after that, when we come back from after that break, we're going to be speaking with Bill Kaur, who was one of the architects that put together the masterpiece that is laid out before us. More of the Fairways of Life show coming up after these words. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tee times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours, and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles. And they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. I'm Tiger Woods, and I chose Bridgetone. I wanted to be with a company that I knew, and then on top of that, that made superior products. So I did. I came back, and I started playing with the Bridgetone Tour BXS, and it's allowed me to maintain the spin and the feel I like around the greens, especially my short irons, but also to have that penetrating flight through the wind. The aerodynamics have been phenomenal. I know the quality that Bridgestone has, R&D that's available to them, and what they were able to create that helped me win golf tournaments. Even though we're in Texas, we don't believe that bigger is always better. At Ben Hogan Golf, we believe in something called micromanufacturing, a concept Mr. Hogan taught us long ago. It's a belief that handcrafting golf clubs one at a time to your exacting specifications is the reason we make some of the best quality and best performing equipment in the world. And we don't believe in big prices. That's why we only sell directly to you at BenHoganGolf.com. Let me ask you a question. Are you in pain in the golf course? 
You know, pain management is a crisis in America. It affects over 100 million people and 35% of golfers, but now we can do something about it. BioFit 360 is a new company here to help us manage and alleviate that pain naturally. They've developed a formula that safely extracts CBD from the hemp plant and utilizes all of its healing properties to help us. They have a relief cream, they have gummies, they have sleep aids, and much more. It will change the way you feel on the golf course and in life. All you need to do is head to BioFit360.com. Feel better, do better, be better. Hi, I'm Brian Hammonds. You country club members can now represent your club and compete in a Ryder Cup style event. The inaugural Country Club National Championship presented by Fuzzy's Ultra Premium Vodka. It's October 12th through the 17th at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. The field is limited, so don't delay. For more information, go to ccncgolf.com. That's ccncgolf.com. I hope to see you and your team in Orlando. Streamsong is so special with three top 100 U.S. courses designed by four legendary architects. Tom Doak's Blue Course, Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw's Red Course, and Gil Hansen's Black Course. Secluded by thousands of acres, the greatest golf stories are lived, not told. Streamsongresort.com Well, they all feel unique, but um, really it's nothing different that we did this week. We didn't really approach anything differently. This is what we've been doing, and it's just that um, this week I threw some really good execution in there, and uh, our game plan was solid. This course just demands so much discipline, and I was able to – we were able to just stay um, committed and and really uh, just – it's more than just being committed. Believing that the game plan is there for a reason, and we stayed with it, and – um, it was just a, a really good, solid week all the way through. Um, it was pretty spectacular the first two days, just like couldn't do no wrong. And then, um, you know, the weekend was just – it was just a bunch of solid hitting, nothing exciting but um, enough. And it, just the best thing here this week to make it um, more special or differently special than other tournaments was the fact that it, it happened at my age and with Reagan caddying and Connor and his fiance and Lisa were all here Several of my friends came down just to be here for this, and um, you know, to, to have a posse like that waiting at the end to celebrate with is just—it's um, just an experience that you just don't get to have in your life that often. And I'm very fortunate to be one of the people that got to experience that. Uh, it's a big part of it for sure, um, and certainly I believe that Kevin Streelman's right when he says that about having uh, peace and joy in your life leads to a more peaceful and joyful golfer, and that leads to better scores. Um, but uh, it's. The thing about me and my family with, uh, with the peace and joy we experience, it's not something that just we wait for the circumstances to line up like the planets or some, you know, signs or tea leaves or something. You know, we install our own um, peace and joy because of our faith in Jesus Christ, basically. And that is the number one tenet of my life. And uh, it enables me to feel peaceful and joyful even when the golf ball is not agreeing with my club face and not going in the hole. Um, I don't seek peace and joy out of golf because I know I can never depend on it to fully sustain that kind of peace and joy that I'm looking for. And it's too low of a target. And so, um, the joy and peace I feel on the golf course is, um, it's something that's, that stems from something far different than golf and golf happens to benefit from it, but golf is not the end goal for me. Um, I love playing and winning and having a week like this is just amazing, but, 
Um, the peace and joy that we experience and it's available to everybody is something that you don't have to wait for the circumstances, the worm to turn, so to speak. You know, it's, it's there and, and that's what we choose to go for. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think that you, um, I don't think that if you're a follower of Christ that you can't say you've kicked ass. <laughs> I think I kicked ass this week and it was fun. And um, I just, um, you know, there's so many good golfers on the PGA Tour and uh, I felt like coming into this week after Augusta, I had a, a really good, solid week in Augusta, except I played more like um, I did on the weekend here all four days there. And um, the only difference was that I just sprinkled in some really great golf on Thursday and Friday here, and I distanced myself out from everybody. I just I really felt like I had the kind of stuff this week that was going to be very, very hard to beat if I just maintained my composure. And I knew that with Reagan caddying, and with our belief and, and our game plan and the way we're, we're going about things, business-like and, um, you know, very monotonous on the course, that it was just going to be really hard to beat Stewart Sink at this course this week. And, um, you know, it's, it's cool when something like that comes over you, when a feeling like that happens, and then the end result is you were right. Are you thinking about bigger things the rest of this year, uh, including, I don't know, the Ryder Cup? I mean, is that on your mind? Uh, not really. I mean, it it wasn't until a few people yelled out Ryder Cup, uh, see it whistling straights or something like that um, while, uh, when we came back over here from the 18th hole. But um, really the first thing that on my mind after uh, finishing out on 18 and um, knowing that the win was secured was that part of this whole game plan thing is that we're trying to take the energy to make decisions off of the moment and putting it the night before so that we can have our decisions already made. And uh, at 47, I just don't have this endless supply of energy, you know, and I need to kind of like keep my um, decision-making to a minimum. And um, as it turns out, I think that having two wins in between the U.S. Opens, um, maybe I might be exempt for the U.S. Open now. I'm not really sure, but I'm hoping that I can get out of that 36-hole qualifier. (laughs) That's where I'm going with this whole energy thing. I would love to not have to play in that and uh, save myself a little bit of uh, scheduling and also – energy output uh, for that Monday. So I don't know. I'm not sure about that, but um, that's one of the, hopefully, the benefits of winning here. Father-son question. Have you and Reagan always communicated this well together, or is that, is that something that has kind of had to evolve with this job? <laughs> um, no, I think that the job uh, fits in nicely with our connection that we have. Um, he and I have always just been on the same wavelength. You know, we're... Um, we're kind of in, from the same DNA. And I mean, literally, like, we are, like, the same person. <laughs> we think about things. Uh, we, we think about jokes. We think we, we notice the same funny stuff. We, uh, we just pick, on the same, pick up on the same kind of little details about things in our immediate surroundings. And uh, it's been a real good fit for him caddying. And, and uh, I just can't tell you how much fun it is to have my son caddying for me. I, I'm, I'm hoping that I get Connor out there on the bag, too, at some point. Uh, before this whole family run ends, but it's uh, it's been amazing and just a true blessing having him. If I told you um, the truth, <laughs> I mean it does. It's not getting any easier. It doesn't get any easier. You know, um, I I work so hard on um, on what uh, the mental side of the game, and that uh, is a big part of it. Obviously, you know that you hit it right on the head. You know, as you get closer to the hole, your expectation level changes. In fact, it's it's not a linear in uh, change it's like that and so um 
that the short putting is just something that I just really try to be rock solid on my routine and trust of the process and know that some of those putts are going to lip out and sometimes you're going to look silly and you're going to feel bad and you have to expect and plan for that and uh, move on. And if you, if you spend your whole career or your whole tournament bracing for something like that, like it, you know, hoping it doesn't happen and trying to hide it, then, um, you know, you're going to be devastated when something like that happens at the wrong time. And so I've missed my share. I mean, I went through Southern Hills in 2001 where I missed a really short putt on the last hole that was mostly embarrassing to me at the time. Of course, later on, it ended up costing me a shot in the, a spot in the playoff. Didn't know it at the time, but you, no one likes that feeling. And so I've, I've spent a lot of time and money on trying to, um, you know, be solid in um, my beliefs about what is really happening on the course and where my trust is, where my peace and joy come from. And if I depended on all those two, three, and four footers going in to uh, feel good about myself, then I'd be in the wrong business. Well, if you don't mind me following up, uh, but I can see you're saying behind the putt and you can see that you're thinking, and I know you're a very verbal person, but can you give us some sense of the words that are, that are in your head? Um, well, yeah, I mean, the, what my coach, uh, James Siegman, and I work on on that is um, we know that the right way to success is through the process because we only try to control what we control, and that is, you know, you can't control the results. You can't control bounces or the wind or, a, you know, a ball that rolls on the green and rims out of the hole. But you can control your own self before your shot until impact. And so um, we trust that process innately. And uh, actually, I'm sorry, we don't trust it innately. We trust, we want the results innately, but we input or insert the process as a true goal. And so um, you probably see me mouthing something to Reagan, or you might audibly pick it up on the coverage. But one of the things I like to remind myself is that I want to be in, I want to see what the mountaintop of trust is like before every putt. And those aren't just words to me. I'm actually trying to construct my pre-shot routine so that that's what I'm focused on consciously. Um, I hate the word routine because that's such not the right word for what we do. It's an, right. it's an operation that requires focus and um, cadence. And I'm trying to hit my little spots along that routine. And by the time I finish that routine, ball's already rolling. So, um, but you probably heard me and, or see me mouth the words mountaintop of trust or mountaintop of peace or... Uh, you know, a couple little phrases like that, but that's what it is. It's just a reminder. I'm saying it out loud. I'm really just saying it so I can um, hear myself and remind myself. Thank you very much. It's almost, as you're describing, it sounds more like a path to the hole than a routine. Well, it's a path to success. Obviously, I want to make the putts. I obviously don't want to miss putts, but I believe that the way to keep myself the calmest and the way to um, keep my stroke doing what it's supposed to do, my shot, my swing doing what it's supposed to do is through the process and staying calm and focusing on something I can control as opposed to, you know, something you can't control. If you depend on something you can't control, you're just going to end up frustrated. And I don't want to be frustrated. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Now we will go over to Peter Iacobello with Associated Press. Uh, hey, Stuart. Congratulations Hi. on that. A couple things. Thanks. A couple things. I know you said you had a dogfight with the course. Did you feel any pressure from competitors, maybe on the first screen when Colin rolls in that uh, birdie putt and maybe Emiliano gets to three behind at a couple of different stages uh, of the game? Did you feel any kind of pressure at all? I can – 
Yeah, I think I remember feeling pressure on every shot. <laughs> Come to think of it, I can't think of one shot where I didn't feel at least some pressure, except maybe the, uh, well, yeah, even the putt on 18. I still felt pressure. Uh, no, no, I mean, yeah, certainly when, when uh, Colin made that putt on the first hole, I, I you know, expected nothing less. I mean, he's a great player. He's riding a big confidence high, and so I expected him to throw something my way. Um, it didn't really materialize that much for him today. Um, I didn't see that anybody ever got closer than four, but I just may have looked at the leaderboard at the wrong time. Um, but I, I was, I felt like I, I had a lot of pressure all, all day. You know, when you, when you have a big lead, uh, it's easy to fall into the trap of trying to not play bad and not lose it. In fact, one guy, when I was walking in from the car today, going into the locker room, a guy was standing by the fence and he said, don't choke today. You know, I mean, that's not exactly helpful. Um, I'm glad he was entertained by that, but it wasn't helpful to me, but it kind of reminded me like, don't choke today. Okay. Is that what you're worried about? And it kind of got me to take stock of the situation. And um, to be honest, you know, if I had played poorly today and not won, um, it's not going to define my career at this point. And I wasn't playing for uh, that kind of, uh, you know, I've won enough times and I've lost enough times where another one, another loss wouldn't really, have, uh, it would have stung, but it wouldn't have been a, an end all for me. And um, I had that going for me for sure. That's something you earn playing 600 plus PGA Tour events. But I felt pressure the whole way. I definitely felt pressure the whole way. And there's some shots out here. There's some big shots that you can really get caught up by. And I was very proud of myself for sticking to my guns, the game plan, and um, just really like tee to green. My execution was, I just, today was one of my best ball striking days I've had in my life. It was awesome. And, um, you know, I, I definitely could be writing some notes down about my hitting the last uh, four rounds. Yeah, it, it's just all uh, related to wind direction and hole locations. Um, basically, that's what it boils down to. What we, Reagan and I, what we want to do is to create a game plan where the golf holes uh, capture the ball nicely. You know, we don't want to be fitting shots into certain little places where there's a lot of danger around. We grade all the trouble around all the hole locations based on wind direction and slope. And uh, we come up with basically kind of a, um, a red light, green light, red, yellow, green light kind of scenario that kind of dictates what we do. And it takes the decision making out of our hands. It makes it um, makes the day efficient, and um, it's uh, it, it's just something nice to be able to rely on that. Where the you, the decision's already made by the system, and I don't have to be under the pressure to try to make the decision when I'm feeling a lot of duress. You know, I'm, my heart rate's up, my uh, adrenaline is through the roof. I hit an eight iron like 180 into the wind on number 17, and that's not normally me. So. Um, but the decision's already made, and it just kind of keeps that part of it from uh, from interfering with what you want to do. And I've I've seen tournaments lost. I've lost tournaments myself because I made a poor decision in a heightened moment. And with this system that we have going, um, we don't have to make a lot of adjustments, and the system takes care of itself. And so all we have to do, we, we're left with executing and then uh, reading putts because we're not going to put the ball in uh, very many places where we shouldn't be. Um, yeah, you know, I said uh, to myself, you know, trust my training. Um, and this morning, Sean had texted me, hey, you know, just trust and conviction. And um, I wrote that on my pin sheet today. Um, and it's kind of the mindset I took. And um, I said to myself, hey, you know, I feel like the winner's already chosen. Um, but, you know, we obviously all don't know. So I'm just going to go out there and play the best golf I can and you know, see where I finish at the end of the day. Um, 
obviously, you know, nice coming up, you know, the last with uh, six or seven shot lead. Uh, you know, especially seeing that band position uh, kind of scared me a little bit. But, um, yeah, I know, nice to kind of be back in the winner's circle. And I felt like I was going to cry, but I'm proud of myself for not crying. And, you know, overall, I've had an um, unbelievably fun week here in Hawaii. And, uh, you know, I'm, I know I need to work on my hula hula dance um, a little bit. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been awesome. So as, uh, I'm proud of uh, the way I stayed patient, you know, leading up to this moment. And I think it's, it's all worth it in the end. It's not about other people's expectations, but when you put expectations on yourself and you feel like you're not reaching it. And I think I was putting more pressure on myself and you know, doubting myself. And I've been very fortunate to have an, uh, a very supportive family and team and friends that have just kind of built the confidence in me. And, you know, Sean, I feel like, you know, it gives me, uh, you know, so many great, you know, wisdom um, and kind of builds that confidence in myself where at times I didn't feel like I had it. So I think uh, just, it just makes me grateful that, you know, I just have a loving, um, loving people around me that is just supporting me no matter what. And, you know, I think it, it's more, I was proving it to myself than to anybody else. And, you know, I know this, this feels great, but obviously playing next week and, you know, I think it just says at the back of my mind it takes away that doubt that i can do it um and you know when you stay patient and keep working on the right things you know everything kind of naturally follows there weren't that many leaderboards from like eight onwards so i didn't really see um the leaderboard actually since number six so i was just trying to you know give myself good looks for birdies and you now i um, hold a really i made a really good up and down on four uh and no, I was just kind of making pars and you know making that good momentum birdie on nine and then ten and eleven and twelve. It just kind of builds that confidence. So I was just trying to play the best golf I can at that moment and not think about um, what position I was going to be. And I saw that I had a six shot lead um, when I was on fifteen greens. So that was kind of the first time I had seen it. Um, and you know, on a golf course like this, where someone's been shooting very low, and you know, multiple players have been shooting you know, low scores uh, throughout the week. You just can't take anyone out of it. Um, I was quite a ways back last week, at, oh, a few weeks ago, at a and um, and put myself right into it. So I knew that it could be the case today. So I said to myself, you know, even seeing that I had a six-shot lead, you know, you know what, you just got to focus and, and do a good job of each shot. And, you know, you don't want to make careless mistakes. So I think I played smart um, and, you know, uh, felt like I focused until that last putt dropped on the last goal. I think it was more like on the first uh, round this week, I got off to a really good start. So I felt like I was feeding off momentum from that or from a couple of weeks ago. And almost when you have a really low score, you don't really know what to expect the next day because you've you already know that you've made a certain amount of birdies. So if you don't do that, like the next day, you're like, oh, I feel like I'm playing bad. And that was kind of the case yesterday and today. Like the other days I shot like, four or five under on my front nine and then when you make the turn at two under that's great but you're like man I feel like I'm playing like so much worse so I just tried to um, not focus on the score and you know do a good job of you know being committed uh, to each shot in front of me and um, I think that way I was just focused on what was next and not getting too carried away about 
know what else is happening and I know that sometimes I overthink things and kind of get in the way of myself but um, today I think I really did a good job of you know just staying patient and um, you know figuring out my numbers and you know, decisions with Dave and then when we made that decision uh, just be fully committed to it and just hit a confidence shot. I don't like it's really hard to compare like one to another. I think every single like win is so different. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, I waited a little while uh, from my last one at, in San Francisco to this one, and um, I had waited a little while uh, for my win, uh, my fifteenth win uh, at Medihill as well. So, yeah, you know, definitely nice. Um, I think this week I've just had such a good time, like going out like going on hikes and just enjoying Hawaii that golf was kind of a natural thing and that was also the case uh on my 15th win where my friend he surprised me because it was my 21st birthday and he you know I just enjoyed like spending time with him and you know San Francisco obviously is is a place where I have a lot of special memories so I was like obviously focused on my golf but you know just enjoying everything and I think Sometimes you just like because golf is such a huge uh, factor in my in my life that you know I just look down one road. But you know I've, this week I've kind of had my blinds open um, and just enjoying being here. And I think that's almost helped me to be a little bit more ra- relaxed um, and just accept you know what if things go great that's great. Um, if not you know I can't do much about it. If I told you legends like Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross have designed and inspired more than 10 breathtaking courses and they're all in one place, would you believe me? Where is this special place? How far do I have to travel for this golfing nirvana? The answer could both surprise and delight you. It's right around the corner in the heartland of the country. It's Boyne Golf in Northern Michigan. It's a destination so special, so unique, that you'll think you're playing golf on a work of art along the cliffs of the Monterey Peninsula or the raw sweeping landscapes of Scotland. From elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled golf vacation experience. Log on to BoyneGolf.com and see why they're at the heart of America's summer golf capital. Come to where history meets luxury at the family-friendly French Lick Springs Hotel, where there's something for everyone, from kids' fest to shopping, bowling, golf, and other outdoor activities. Or at the West Baden Springs Hotel, you can wrap yourself in old-world elegance, visit our luxurious spa, indulge in an afternoon tea, a historic tour, and multiple sophisticated dining options. Then, finish your day with a cozy carriage ride before turning in for sweet dreams. Only this isn't a dream. Visit FrenchLick.com to plan your vacation today. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the all-new Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. 
Try the new Tour B. The Tour Ball. Reinvented. Let's face it, there's no better feeling than getting new golf gear. And where you get your golf gear matters. PGA Tour Superstore is America's number one golf retailer. Whatever you're looking for, they have it. And you can get custom fit. You can shop online or safely in their stores. At the PGA Tour Superstore, you'll always find golf's biggest brands and all the latest equipment right at your fingertips. If you need it or want it, they've got it. Log on to PGATourSuperstore.com to upgrade your game today. We are live from the Streamsong Resort. Absolute delight to have your company, folks, on this day. A little bit rainy. There's some rain in the forecast, but we think that we're going to be okay. We think that we're going to make it through it all, and we're very excited about the same. So we're also excited about what you're about to hear. Bill Corr, who is one of the architects of this very special place, joined us recently, and we recorded this from our Fairways of Life studio uh, back at our home studio, so that we had that, because we Bill's difficult to get a hold of, and the time zone that he was in, you're going to hear all this coming up, so we're going to talk to him in just a second. First of all, touredge.com, log on to touredge.com, and you can see their beautiful product, including the 721 family, which is their newest product. Uh, it's packed with technology, the Ridgeback technology on the woods, the way that they use liberally carbon around the club. Uh, they call them carbon wings. It's very special indeed. So touredge.com, so you can see just how special it is and if it's perfect for your game. Touredge.com is where their entire product line is, and their entire product line is backed by a lifetime warranty. As Dom is doing some work here with us, getting everything set up. Go ahead. You can put that on, Dom. Say hello to the world since since I saw you hello. tooling around there. There he is. Hello. Dominic Scarano joining us Hello. live on the show. Hello, hello, he says. And Dom was with us it's, yesterday. Uh, it's not raining currently. Do you see that? Yeah, unlike when we were driving down here this morning in the torrential rains. with thank comment. Goodness, Andrew was behind us in a big truck in case we went sliding off the road. But we did. In fact, there's the radar, Dom. Can you see what Andrew just put up? Yeah, I don't like that, Andrew. We need to do something about that. Yeah, that's not looking too good. <laughs> we need to... We need to graphically alter that. I like how it has our little <laughs> dot where we are right in the middle of the green blob. You know what, though? I can play through green. It's that, see the bottom yeah. left, that little red stuff. I'm yeah. not a fan of that. The stuff that looks pretty much like an infection. That's that, the stuff that we have to. That could be an issue. That, yeah, could, be, exactly. that could be a big time issue. But Scott Scott Wilson, the director of golf here, was on earlier, and he he seemed very gung ho about. Yeah, that he was like he was like, "You guys are going to be able to play. There won't be any doubt about that." A uh, pxg.com, log on to pxg. We're very proud to have him as a new sponsor of the Fairways of Life show. The new Gen Four product is out. Uh, nobody builds golf clubs the way we do. Period. And you guys can get and see exactly what we're talking about by logging on to pxg.com. All right, I was just telling the world about Bill Core. Is going to be on in just a moment that it was uh, pre-recorded with bill so that we could ha- talk to him about this very special place so you're going to get a background in a way of stream song and how it became to be that i don't think anybody has ever heard before and then all of us hopefully will get a chance to play it today if not we're going to get a chance to play it this week when we're here so super excited are you i'm super pumped are you kidding me right we're gonna to have tom doak on tomorrow we're gonna to have gil hands on, on gil Wednesday. was here he was here that was not planned, by the way. <laughs> when, when we, yeah, when, when, when Stuart and Lydia's press conferences, as you guys know, we always play the press conference. I'm sitting here, we go to break, and, and, and it's not unusual for people to come up and say hello when we're you know, doing the show and breaks and so forth. And you know, some guy comes up and gives me a, a knuckle 
bump and I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? And I was like, Gil, what are you doing? And and just to kind of stick the needle to me a little bit, he goes, I thought I was on today. When- yeah, he's like, what's going on with that? What What's up? I, well, I saw him. Give me a heart he, attack. He was sitting over here with, uh, with Rusty Mercer, who's the director of agronomy. Yeah. Which makes sense. They would hang out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so he's, he's over here sitting. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's Gil Hans. And I'm like, nah. Because he's supposed to be on like tomorrow or whatever. Like, ah, it's not him. Wednesday, I think yeah, he's Wednesday. going on. And Tom just, Doak is on tomorrow. He comes right over here and he's like, hey, what? what, what? We could have planned this a little bit better. I'm not producing very well. Gil Hans is sitting right here and he's coming on the phone on Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> How it goes, how it goes. So we're going to send you to Bill Core, and when you see us again, we're going to be back here where we are right now at this beautiful place. Thank you to Andrew. Thank you to Wes. Uh, thank you to Dom. Thank you to Neil. Thank you to Cody. All the people behind the scenes that put together everything that is in front of us. If you could see all the equipment and technology to broadcast this around the world, it's pretty darn impressive. So thank you to, to everybody for all of the considerable efforts and for your company as well. And with great pride, we send you to one of the architects of this incredible place. Here is Bill Core. The legendary golf course architect team of Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw are responsible for designing the red course. Bill is joining us right now. Bill, how have you been? Good to see you again. Thanks for having me. It's a delight to have you. And it's good to see you. <laughs> I, I'm sure these have been crazy times for you. You guys have been so busy for so long with all of the projects that, that you've undertaken. How have you gotten through this COVID era and, and how different was the working environment for you? Well, Matt, you know, it's, um, it's been different. Obviously, it's been different for everyone in the world. Uh, it, it is actually one of the things that I guess every single person in the world can relate to in some form. And, uh, that's not, not often you could say that, but, uh, um, you know, in our case, as in, as in, I guess the case of, uh, quite a few people and businesses in golf, um, as insensitive as it sounds, because COVID has been so tragic for so many people, but, you know, for golf, it's, it's, it's had a positive side. I think rounds are up almost everywhere, uh, at least places that people can access. You know, some of the places like Hawaii, where it's very difficult because of uh, tourism uh, being down so much. But uh, otherwise, rounds are up, memberships are up, golf courses are being uh, worked on. Uh, and from our limited perspective, uh, it, it's, you know, it's been a, a busy, if different time. And, uh, and the future looks very bright. Good. I'm glad uh, you were able to make the best of it. Uh, as you mentioned, it was a very difficult time for so many, and we wish everyone the best in any way impacted by COVID, something that has impacted in some way, as Bill noted, everyone. Now, we're due to play the Red Course today at Streamsong. I guess the question I would have for you, Bill, is that when you guys built Streamsong Red, you already were amongst the busiest architects, if not the busiest in the game how did you get involved in this project? Why did you get involved in this project? Well, Matt, um, kind of the, the very beginning was a representative from Mosaic Mining Company that uh, owned the property there. It had been a phosphate mining uh, site for uh, many years. And uh, one of their representatives called and actually said, um, he called me and, and said, Bill, we, we would be interested in 
talking to you and Ben and you guys about uh, designing, building a course in Florida. And Matt, I have to admit, my first reaction, and probably wasn't the most uh, positive promotional <laughs> thing to say, <laughs> but uh, I just remember talking to the man and uh, just saying, you know, probably the last thing Florida needs right now is another golf course. And he, he went on to say, but, but this site is different. Um, well, Matt, obviously, through all the years, we've, we've heard that before a, a few times. And so I began to talk to him a little bit. And he did describe that it had been a former uh, uh, phosphate mining site in, in, in sand and uh, that they had uh, that some number of lakes had been dug in the, in, and left over during the, the, the mining operation with some big ridges of sand that resemble sand dunes. And so when he, the more he talked about it, the more he said, okay, maybe we should take a look at this. Let's just go see. And um, I remember the first time I went and uh, I went around the site and they had numerous sites actually, because they're one of the biggest employers and, and uh, landholders in, uh, in Florida. So uh, we looked at several sites, but the one that ended up being where the red and the blue courses are uh, couldn't help but gravitate toward because of the again the uh, uh, actually the the residuals I guess you would say of the of the mining operation were big dune ridges very similar to, to giant sand dunes and uh, and lakes and all of all of the site was sand so it was uh, I have to say going with the thought of the last thing Florida needs is another golf course. It didn't take too long walking on that site to think, well, maybe just one more golf course. Is is there anything, uh, Bill, that you could compare the property to then or now that you've seen before? You know, Matt, it, it's it is different. It's uh, I know you hear that a lot, and but um, it's dunes. But it's dunes and lakes combined. You don't see that very often. I mean, you see sand dunes in, in the United Kingdom and the old particular, a lot of the uh, legendary lynx courses, you'll see what are known as dune slacks, which are low areas that collect water during the winter or rainy you know, season or uh, storms. Um, but those are most often dry most of the time. And... In this case, this was a combination of lakes and um, very impressive sand dunes, to say the least. All of which had been man-made. They were, you know, they again, they were they were the leftovers. It was a site that had been mined, and in the process became these lakes and dune ridges. But over time, Mother Nature had reclaimed the dunes in such a way that they looked very, very natural in terms of the way the wind had blown them around and the vegetation had uh, had taken over in those. So it was a very interesting site and quite different than most dune sites that we've worked with. I imagine something else that was different as well, Bill, was, and you mentioned the blue course. The blue course and the red course tend to intertwine uh, blue course by Tom Doak. So how did you decide where you're going to build your holes, what the routing would be of the golf course? And I guess if I may, who got what part? <laughs> well, Matt, it's one of the great, uh, one of the most 
wonderful memories for me at least tom might have a different perspective i don't think he would but he might uh we've known each other since tom was in school at cornell so uh a, a long time but um uh we when the mosaic mining people uh rich mack who was the uh executive vice president of uh of mosaic mining at that time and rich is an avid golfer and it was basically his idea to to create this golf complex on this site because he was familiar with the site from the mining but he uh, being a golfer gravitated toward it so when he he showed this site to me and then to ben um, and then uh, also uh, almost the same time to tom doke um, we all we looked at different parts and i think rich thought we would all pick different areas in which we might gravitate toward for golf. <laughs> but we all, all three of us, just immediately honed in on this, uh, where you see the, the red and the blue courses are today, and said, this is the site we would like to work with. Rich then came to us and asked if, if we uh, would consider uh, working simultaneously while Tom was doing his course. and. Uh, you know, Rich, we, I mean, Matt, we've not done that before, but we've known Tom for so long. We knew the guys that worked with him and said, if we're ever going to do this, to do simultaneously, all, knowing that the holes were going to have to be so intertwined, um, we thought this is who, whom we'd like to work with doing it. And it, it became a process, Matt, of, first of all, Tom laid out his course, a, a potential routing. Uh, I had gone down there uh, numerous times and walked the site and done a preliminary routing. I was down there one day when Tom was there. I had walked the routing that I had been looking at, and I wasn't very happy. I didn't think it was very good, quite frankly. I thought it was wasteful of the ground. I saw Tom later ask him, I said, Tom, have you, have you done preliminary routing? He goes, yes. And uh, I said, so what's your feeling he said quite frankly I, I i can't say i'm terribly happy with it and from that point on Matt, we started we didn't spend all the time walking together but we started looking for golf holes individual golf holes in sequences of holes um knowing that there could very well be a way that these would have to be intertwined and we did. We came up with holes uh, with no particular idea of how they would link together on an individual course, but we knew that the, the, the holes were going to be in the same area and they had to be enough holes for two courses. So we had, we had, um, we had laid out, you know, basically 36 holes. Mm -hmm. uh, now they changed, you know, some during this whole process, but came down to basically 36 holes and uh, they weren't even put together into two 18 hole routings. Tom took the 36 holes back to his office. Then he sent a, uh, uh, he sent a, a, a routing of two golf courses um, that he said, what do you think about this? If we divided the holes in this manner, and when he did it, Matt, he marked the, the two routings, one in blue ink and one in red ink. And that simply is how they got their names. 
Um, and I remember looking at them. I went down there. I studied all the holes. I thought, you know, this is a really good way to put these holes together. We made a few alterations to those, but nothing major. And uh, from that point on, we said, all right, we have, you know, we have 36 holes here. Right. We have two courses. We had no idea who was going to do which. And Ben came down. He and I spent two or three days just walking the two routings. And, uh, you know, we liked them both. And, and just, I remember asking Ben, I said, Ben, do you have a preference of which one? He goes, no, not really, Bill. He said, I think they're both good. And so that's kind of a long-winded story of, of how this came about. It literally did occur on the ground uh, with Tom Doak. And then this process of dividing those holes into two 18-hole courses. And then it came down to, well, who's going to do which course? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that actually came down to um, uh, Matt. <laughs> I stood out there one day with Tom and with Rich Mack. And at the end of the day, Rich says, all right, guys, we've agreed. There are two golf courses. Who's going to do which one? And um, I looked at Tom. Uh, he, he didn't, you know, he didn't jump right in and say, I want this one or that one. And uh, I said, you want to flip a coin? And Tom, for whatever reason, just said, you know, no, I, I, let's think about it. I said, okay, so fine. So we went back and very candidly, Matt, we ended up with the red course. The red course we knew, all of us going in, there still was some phosphate mining to occur where the routing was for the red course. Oh. So we knew there would be more earthworks required on the red than the blue. And uh, uh, so we, we, but we went back and <laughs> we were working at Pinehurst at the time and uh, James Edward Wright, better known as Jimbo Wright, who's a shaper, has worked with us for years, <laughs> he was uh, he was in Pinehurst, and I remember talking to Jimbo. I said, Jimbo, we're going to do this, you know, one of these two courses in, in Florida. Put it in the context, Matt, this is, you know, the economy was not doing well at all. There were, there were likely to be no golf courses, new courses built uh, outside of these two that were being proposed. And Jimbo just cut straight through to the bottom line. You know, he's a very pragmatic guy. And he just goes, Bill, pick the one that needs more work. You know, he's thinking about it from a work, a business standpoint. And so I just said, well, that would be the red course. It's going to require more work because there's still phosphate mining going on. Jimbo said, pick that one. So I called Ben and I said, Ben, Jimbo would like to pick the red course. And Ben just laughed and he said, well, I imagine I know why, because there's probably more work to do there. I said, yeah, that's it. And uh, he said, I'm fine with that, Bill. He said, I like it. I like it. And he said, it's different. He said, probably most people think we'd pick the blue because it needs less, you know, earthworks. But, yeah, he said, I'm all in. Let's go for the red. So I what called the uh, – sorry? No, go right ahead. I was going to ask you a question. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I called uh, – Rich Mack and told him if it was okay, we'd take the red. He seemed a bit surprised by that. And uh, <laughs> then he said, well, he said, is Tom in agreement? I said, well, I haven't asked him yet, but I will. I said, but if Tom wants the red, we'll take the blue. 
So I did. I called Tom, and uh, I said, Tom, if it's okay with you, we'll take the red. And Tom was like, really? You're going to take the red? He said, I, I thought Sorry, guys. Anyway, Tom said, really? I thought you would probably pick the blue. And I said, Tom, we'll take the blue. If you want the red, we'll take the blue. If you want the blue, we'll take the red. And he goes, okay, you can have the red. So that <laughs> that's a very long-winded but very accurate story of how those two courses came about and how it was chosen as to, you know, who did which one. We used Absolutely to kid. Classic. We would kid Matt because some of the holes that that I had actually laid out mm -hmm. um, on the ground ended up on Tom's course, and some of the course that holes that he had envisioned on the ground ended up on our course. So we would walk over the hill both those occasionally and talk to the other crews and say, "Hey, now we picked this hole out, or I picked this hole out, or something. Don't mess this up. It happens to be on your <laughs> course, but it's a pretty good hole." <laughs> Absolutely love it. I got to ask you a question before before I talk about the the design philosophy and, and thus the way that you, you play uh, the red course. When you walk the property, this property or any other, particularly this property, because there's a lot of critters in Florida. What do you wear? Do you wear some type of high boots or something just in case you cross paths with something that's been there before you? Well, you you do. Um, I. I didn't wear snake boots. I probably should have down there because they have eastern diamondback rattlesnakes, which if anybody's familiar with those, or uh, you'd prefer not to come across one of those. Um, obviously, I have alligators, but uh, wasn't thinking too much about those. You would generally see those in advance. But uh, walking through the tall grass, yeah, can get your attention. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I had such fun with Ben, you know, my business partner of all these years. And, and uh, he was down there one day. We were just walking through looking at the holes where they were staked out. And, and Ben's, you know, he well, he's into it. He's really into it, talking about possible concepts and things. And a truck comes by with a couple of the Mosaic employees in it, comes driving by, and one guy yells out the windows and careful of all those rattlesnakes out there now you guys be careful <laughs> from that point on matt ben the concepts were out the window ben's looking at the ground every single step <laughs> yeah but rightfully so all right exactly. i want to I ask you bill about the concepts that that you did come up with and how that impacts the the playing experience now uh, as you and i have talked about this in the past one of the things that i really like that you guys did in the red in my view is you use the natural contours and the delineations, the way you'd use, for example, the dunes as a backdrop in a particular hole or the lakes, et cetera, brilliant. Was there a particular philosophy going into this golf course from a design standpoint in terms of how you wanted it to play? Uh, I, don't, I don't know that it would have been different, Matt, than say it would have been at the Sand Hills or Abandoned Dunes or Cabot or, you know, uh, those places, those, those really interesting sand-based sites uh, that have dunes. Um, we, we just looked at it and, it, again, I, I know it sounds, I don't know, 
I guess we've said it so much and other people have, but we we literally tried to let that landscape guide us. And between the dune ridges and the lakes that were there and the, and the contours that had, the landforms that had been created and then left over by the mining operation, um, there was a lot to, uh, you know, there were a lot of guides out there. And there were places you just couldn't go, you know, because of the lakes or things. But it was it was not too much different than if we had been by the sea somewhere in a dunescape, uh, just trying to find the most interesting holes based on based on the landforms that we were given to work with. And um, um, you know, we knew it'd be sand based. We wanted it to play very much like a seaside course, where the turf would be firm. And the ball would chase forever and ever, seemed like, and uh, and you would have a variety of shots given that you could play given the firmness of the turf and the uh, influence of the wind. So it was a <laughs> it was a principle or a philosophy that's been proven time and time again over five hundred years, and we just applied it to that site. That site now has Mach 1 grass. Uh, I'm sure that they reached out to you, Bill, and said this is what we're thinking about doing. It's firmly in place now. I think it's an incredible surface for the game of golf. How much are you aware of it, or is this kind of the test for you guys too? Well, you know, Matt, it's interesting. I have yet to see the Mach 1. Um, I one thing that Ben and I know, and I know I'm speaking for Tom Doak as well here, we have absolute confidence, 100% more if there could be such a thing in Rusty Mercer, who's the director of agronomy for all the courses that streams on. We've known Rusty for years. He's, a, he's not just an, an extraordinarily talented turf grass fellow. He, he understands how golf was meant to be played that that turf conditions for golf not just turf conditions for appearance and uh, when rusty came to all of us and said you know uh, i really think this is the right thing to do uh, for the greens and at uh, at red course and you know I, I i'm gonna confess ignorance here i think they did tom's as well but i'm not sure of that maybe they're they going to your they did did you say okay i thought they had but you know ben and i just said rusty we trust you explicitly if this is the turf this is the the type of um you know bermuda that you feel like should be on these putting surfaces to accomplish what we've so many times talked about in terms of playability and and conditions then we're we're 100 percent behind you go ahead and um from what I've heard, it's turned out beautifully, Matt. I have not seen it personally since it was done. Yeah, it is beautiful. Last question I'll ask you then, Bill, is just a, a nugget, a tidbit of advice from the architect as our group is getting ready to play the golf course today. Oh, I think, Matt, uh, I think uh, just to, um, understand your own game. And if you're a, if you're a, a low ball hitter there, more times than not in modern golf, low ball hitters are a disadvantage. You may you may have the advantage <laughs> at stream song, whether it's the red or the blue. It, you can't go wrong by keeping that ball close to the ground and and rolling along out there. And uh, but just 
you know, just, just kind of, I know if some people it's their first time to play, there are some holes that you probably need to play a few times before you get really comfortable with what you would like to do based on your own skill level. But, uh, there's room to play out there. Um, I would more than anything, I'd just say, have fun. Take, take some risks, try some shots, try, but try some different shots too. And just try to envision how the ground affects the shots you're going to hit. And particularly the ground around the greens and the ground within 50 yards of the greens. Cause more, many times there at Streamsong, um, you can utilize the ground to help you reach the putting surface. It's not like every shot has to be an aerial uh, attack to the greens. Uh, the ground is there to help you. Uh, in many cases, um, you know, some cases it may not help you so much, but uh, it, it's there to study and to try to utilize. Bill Corr, I love what you guys do. CorrandCrenshaw.com <laughs> is the website as ever. My friend, thank you very much for the time and the insights. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thanks for everything you're doing for golf, dude. Thank you. All right, folks, we're off to play. See ya.